Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. I'm Robert Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are Ember Weekend, collectively. And we are going to talk about some Ember stuff after a long, what would you call that? A vacation? Sabbatical? Hiatus. Hiatus. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that a lot. We were busy shipping all the things, don't worry. Some people are shipping things. I've, I've been working on shipping different things. Old things. Ancient things, I might even say. What is old has become new again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 113 is the new hotness. The new 40. Okay, so we're going to jump into an episode that we are already uh, preemptively calling Bring Your Own Babble. So let's uh, jump into it. All right, so of course the first thing we're going to talk about is the Octane release coming up. What can you tell us, Rob? Yeah, so originally we, I don't know, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, we we had a blog post that said that Octane would be coming in Ember 3.14. We had a preview period at that point. Lots of the guides and docs and ecosystem stuff has been going really well during this 3.13 to 3.14 cycle. 3.14 is scheduled to release any any time now uh, at this point. And the relative feeling of those of us in the core team is that we just need a little bit more polish. So I think the result is going to be that we will almost certainly be having Octane after 3.14. And hopefully that's 3.15. Could be later if there's other issues. The thing that we're seeing here is, is that hey, we have a train model. And when things are ready, that's when they get shipped. And if they're not ready yet, they don't uh, They don't make the train this time around. So, <laughs> yeah. As someone who frequently misses trains, I, I get that analogy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, just to kind of like a 10,000-foot view here for mm-hmm. our listeners who may not be like in the know in Octane. Octane is a subset of features that uh, represent what is a moment of, what is it called? Tom Dell has a fancy word for it. Coherence. Coherence, that's right. And in 3.13, and and a lot of these features are things like uh, no jQuery by default, using ECMA 6 classes and several other things, including like co-location of templates Mm -hmm. in their context. In 3.13, all of those features were optionally configurably available. Is that correct? Yeah, I think think all of them, so part of the point of the edition process, and this is our first edition, so we're still ironing the kinks out, but part of the point is absolutely that, is that all of the features that are going to be in the edition are in a stable release prior to the edition itself being released. Right. So I've actually just recently had uh, some experience with this. In my, in my work, we're starting kind of an internal project that is an Octane project. And we actually started at 3.11 and we updated to 3.13 instead of to the beta and then just turned off the flags on, which has been really nice mm-hmm. to have that simple kind of normal, like because uh, 3.13 is a stable release. So we turn the optional feature flags on. If we have any issues, we just roll them back. And then, I mean, it seems kind of like a cherry on top. But uh, the blog post that you're discussing was basically outlining how the original plan was for Octane to be released on 3.14, which I believe is or is not a limited, uh, an LTS. It is not an LTS, no. The next LTS would be 3.16. I see. Okay. So really pushing this one version is not hugely relevant. No, we, we don't think so. The thing that's a little bit unfortunate is we announced the specific date, essentially, by saying the version number, and we tied dates to features, which, as those of you that are developers know, is always a bad omen. <laughs> but uh, the, the setup Talking things, about all of, all of Ember features get released on EmberConf Day. Oh, yeah. Isn't that how yeah, it that's works? Cr- that's yeah, always that's how it's so historically good. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> so when you start having to do time zone math to figure out if you hit the day or not, like, <laughs> it, ah, yes, it happened to be correct if you're counting, like... Uh, Australia time or something, right? Like, <laughs> no, actually, no, that's wrong because that's. I think yeah, the I was about to say that's the opposite because that's in the future. Yeah. It's got to be some it's some islands or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the set of things that are causing us to sort of 
hold off on 314 are, are things that are sort of fundamental to the experience of onboarding with Ember and a nice polish. Things like the Ember Inspector's component tree should show Glimmer components when you use them. And mm-hmm. uh, today, it doesn't. Lots and lots of work has gone into making that work. There's open PRs. There's loads of folks I was about to say, there's an it. open PR that you, you yeah. referenced earlier. Yeah, there's a ton of work. It's just not, it's not just barely not quite across the finish line. And the point of the addition is that, yes, all these features have been released before, but like we need a point of time that is like really, really good for like any random new person that comes across EmberJS.com or anybody that's not familiar right. with the thing. Like it's really important to have that polish and people will, will be sitting up and giving this a first look. And we want that first look to be really, really nice. Yeah. As soon as they look at it and they, they see the features, even though you know that all these things are in the pipeline, if they're giving the, what, 30 minute glance that most developers give new technologies, yeah, and, you know, and they, they hit an error that. or they hit a bug or something. They're like, ah, bounce, I'm out. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're like, oh, it's so unintuitive. I downloaded the Ember Inspector and I could only see the entire container and all this other work that's really cool, but yeah. not the rendering tree. Yeah, but I couldn't see any of the components they invoked. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which yeah. is actually a totally valid critique. It's just it's totally uh, valid. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just frustrating. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So um, I think I have this pulled up here. The things that are specifically in the issue category here were the Ember Inspector, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and something about the classic like file layout versus the co-located components. Is that is that right? Yeah, so co-located uh, templates are a feature that landed in just the first time in Ember 3.13. And you had to have a combination of Ember Source 3.13, Ember CLI 3.13, and a newer version of Ember CLI HTML bars 4.0 uh, point whatever patch release mm-hmm. that it was, I think, seven at this point. Right. And if you didn't have those things, it, it wouldn't work. And it just wasn't enabled, so that was fine. The larger problem is that the way co-location works in general, and, and just for those that aren't aware, uh, component template co-location as a feature allows you to put your component and your template, components template, literally side by side with the same exact name where the only difference is .js or .hps. So you could have a, a JavaScript file at app components foo.js, and you could have a template for that at app components foo.hps and that just works out of the box no changes just works so that that's a quite a nice improvement from having to go to like templates slash components and like there's a this, this weird disjointedness between jumping from the app components folder to the app templates folder some folks might think of this as like a conceptually similar to some things you could do with pods or a thing that we originally pitched in modification but it, it's not either of those things, it, but it, it's close. It's like inspired by the things that we learned in those experiences. Right. Oh, so, sorry. I forgot the question. So <laughs> the, the actual thing, uh, the main blocker is that because we have to associate the HPS file with the actual class, like that's how it works internally. We, we take the handlebars file and we inline it as part of the class. We necessarily have to have the build pipeline invalidate on either the JS file changing or the HPS file changing. And right now, the way we do it is it's completely volatile. There's no caching at all, which means uh, changing any JavaScript file or any handlebars file forces your entire build pipeline to rebuild, which is not great. Not what you want. So the remaining like sort of bastion of work, if you will, is to add more intelligent caching along the lines of something like Broccoli Persistent Filter, but not one file to one file. It has to be two to one basically. So it's, it's a slight uh, modification. Anyways, th- that's pretty in the weeds, but that's like the main remaining right. 
thing. And, and that's mostly a performance thing. Like if you were to boot up a new app, that wouldn't actually immediately manifest as, a, as an issue. Correct. In, in a small app or an app that doesn't take a long time to boot, it basically just means that your rebuild times can't avoid rebuilding the JS right. and the handle. Like either, like if you change a SAS file, for example, it won't redo JavaScript, right? But if you change a template file, now it will have to redo JavaScript, right? Which is like, by some definition, like fine, air quotes, but but for larger apps that already have like a five to 10 second rebuild time or more, like 30 seconds or, or a minute, whatever the rebuild time happens I mean, to be. I mean, the 30 like, second rebuild time is unheard of. Yeah, I've never been on an app that had a 30 second rebuild time. Never done that. Okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, I've never really, I've never really had consistent rebuilds that would take longer than like ten seconds. But but I think the the point is the same. Like basically, making your rebuild times increase in more scenarios. Like there's three right. different yes. main yes, types yes, of yes, things. Yes. There's For JavaScript sure. stuff. There's the style stuff, and there's the templates. Mm-hmm. And today, if you change JS, you only have to rebuild JS. If you change templates, you only have to rebuild templates. Now you have to do both, and that's like could increase your rebuild times. Non-trivially, because usually the JavaScript compilation is is more time overall than the template compilation. So if you just previously were touching a template, it would rebuild right. much faster than yeah, yeah. And I really can't imagine a host of scenarios where that that actually would be relevant to like developer ergonomics and stuff. Exactly, and and that's why we the the caching was the last thing that we're going to add. Right, like I mentioned, I think we've had like seven or eight patch releases fixing pretty like fundamental bugs, like from early right. adopters they found and. Finding those things is already hard enough, but if you add caching, now you are both fighting the caching and the bug, and then you cache the bug, and you don't know if you... It's very, very hard. So, like, caching was intentionally the last thing to add because, well, caching is hard. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So, in our our Octane notes here, we also have a number of code mods that I believe, uh, after talking to you before this and our research uh, section of the call, you mentioned that several of these have been touched. I, I thought the, like, for instance, the Ember Angle Brackets code mod was, you know, like that was a thing that has existed for some time. Yeah, so the Ember Angle Brackets code mod has been around a little bit, like maybe eight months, six to eight months. But uh, we just recently released a new version, I think 2.x at this point. And uh, the prior version, I think the last release was in July sometime. And the new version does lots of stuff. It fixes a ton of reported stylistic changes where the code mod running against your code base would like what it was doing before was it was actually running prettier against your template files after doing the code mod to like get them back into a decent format. But then prettier's output is just quite different than what people are used to. So running the code mod would basically change every template, even if there was no updates and the delta was quite high. It was actually hard to parse. And if you have hand curated your indentation for your nested helper invocations, for example, all of that got lost. And that was very frustrating to people. So the new update migrates to using another project called Ember Template Recast, which attempts to intelligently preserve all of the original source formatting and only update the areas that were actually changed uh, when code modding. So if a given invocation or uh, element or whatever wasn't touched, it just stays the same and it will be exactly the same source. So that just released this past week. So my understanding of how like Recast, like the JavaScript AST transformer, the way it does that is it, it finds the end nodes that it needs to modify to make the change that you actually want, and then the remain like and then splices that into the pre like the. Trying, I'm trying to think of like the, the way to describe this because uh, I'm not particularly adept yeah. at this sort of thing, but but it, it doesn't actually modify any part of the AST that's not directly relevant to the change you want to perform. Yeah. So so uh, so Ember Template Recast is a totally separate 
package from Recast, but the name intentionally infers the exact thing <laughs> right. that you inferred. Yes. Like that was literally the point of why I called it that. And that is for every node in the AST, basically, if you didn't mutate the node, if there's no changes to the node, like if there's no dirtiness or whatever, we use exactly the input source direct one-to-one, no modification. Right. Like we exactly. don't touch anything at all. And that, and that ensures that literally nothing, assuming there's a high fidelity AST, there will be no changes. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think there's still some areas in the Glimmer AST that need to be tweaked. For example, I think I was just mentioning to Chase that the block params in both elements and in block statements don't have any location information. So you don't have any clue where the block params themselves are physically located in the file. So like if someone has creative white space, like as new line pipe, space, 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 some uh, like foo or something, and then an end pipe, like uh, there's, it's really hard to preserve that specific thing because the, the source AST doesn't have the location information for it. Now, that, those are things that right. we're fixing in the AST, we're working on fixing in the AST, but it takes time to work on that stuff. And anybody that's currently got a code mod written that assumes that there isn't location information when we change the values from being a string to being a, an object now where, where it has a type and a location, uh, that's a breaking change. So we have to be really careful when we do these sort right. of API changes. Another code mod that did, a template code mod that did basically the same pass is the no implicit this code mod. Recently been released, uh, it's using recast, uh, template recast uh, internally, and also it uses another uh, library that we have that get together hey. telemetry helpers, which lets you figure out, oh, what are all the names of all the helpers in your app mm-hmm. um, yeah. and components in your app? If you run the new blueprint, you get a template lint that is no longer recommended in previous versions of the uh, the app blueprint. Your ESLint would say recommended. Mm-hmm. Now it says Octane. And I was getting template errors in not being able to distinguish between helpers versus... Like local properties, yeah. Local prop, yeah. It just literally it just clicked that, oh, I'm supposed to do this dot. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. My brain, mm-hmm. oof. Yeah, okay. that's exactly what... And hopefully, well, you should file a bug on the linter because it should make it very clear from the message that is printed, ah, you uh, should update yeah. from curly curly path to curly curly this dot path or something. It actually says something about interpolation. It doesn't say the thing. That's but yeah, I will, I will, I will file a bug. I, I had no idea. I thought it was a, like a legitimate bug and I was just like, oh, I'll file it later. So That's yeah, really so, cool. so removing that ambiguity, like curly curly foo in a template could mean a bunch of different things yep. in classic Ember. Like it could be a local property. It could be a, could be a helper invocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be a block param. It could be lots of stuff, right? Yeah, it could, it could be a block param. It could be a the. Oh, I guess that would be a block param. I was thinking of the uh, the let. It could be like yeah, a, yeah, like a, yeah, a yielded, basically local exactly. variable. Yeah. A yeah, yielded that's, local that's also a block parameter. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yep. So it could be loads of things. So the Ember no implicit this code mod has also been updated and and out there. Um, we're working on even more updates to both of them to continue the polish, continue to make the experience of running it better. We're basically iteratively running it on applications and getting feedback and folks telling us what's working, what what looks right in the diff, uh, what mm-hmm. seems wrong, and whether we agree necessarily. Um, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. but, you know, it's, it's some of the stuff is subjective. Some of the formatting stuff is subjective. But for the most part, there is a correctness factor that is is approaching really, really good. Like, I, I, think, I think we're really honing in on a good place. Yeah, that's great. So we can at least ensure that it's correct technically, like it will invoke the same, the invocation is mapped right in like the no implicit this or the angle bracket one. Once we get to the point where we're just working on the formatting, I think that is, uh, that's a good place to be. 
because then, then we point. know we've got it. Like, yeah, your tests are going to work or, or uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a couple of the other um, code mods you have in here are the Ember native class code mod, mm -hmm. the Ember component template co-location migrator. All of those seem uh, like, like we should include those in the show notes yep. and people should take a look at those. Would you recommend if you want to follow along with these code mods to follow? Can you follow on GitHub like the Ember dash code mods yep. organization? Yep. You, you can. You can certainly do that. And also, uh, like we just recently, I guess in the last couple of months, created this Ember code mods org, and I've been really, really inviting anybody that's auth like trying to write code mods that are like general code mods, like not project specific ones, but like general code mods. Just like inviting them as owners into the org. So if you have a code mod that is like a general purpose Ember code mod, ping me, Discord, or email or whatever. Happy to add folks, additional folks as owners. The, the goal here with this org is a couple of things. One of them is to increase bus factor to like have more people that are able right. to be owners of these, these projects. Another is to slowly increase the number of like experts in this space. Like this is a pretty right. nuanced thing to do well. And it's it's a balance of like absolute correctness versus ninety nine percent like like yeah, you have exactly. to it's a balancing act to figure out exactly what the right defaults are for the code mod and having like a like a group of folks that mm -hmm. are have done this and are interested in doing it really really helps maintenance over time and stuff and examples too like I I find every time I work on a code mod and I increasingly do project specific code mods as you were mentioning before every time I look I look at like other code mods that I know are are well factored and like oh like oh that's how you can access this or that's how yep. you build this yep. uh, structure and stuff like that. So and, and having it all in one place helps that. Uh, as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I like helps that a us lot. share like shared utilities across uh, mm -hmm. repos. Mm -hmm. Like ah well oh I see this one is using uh, you know some shared utility to add imports and ensure they're there or something and ah well let's just extract that. If you do the uh, the project specific code mods, you should make one repo for your organization and use uh, Ember. CLI uh, code mod. No, nope. code mod CLI. You were close. Code you mod really CLI. Close. I was so, I was so, close. so close. I worked on that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we use that uh, internally and you get, you know, built-in documentation. And yeah, it's, that's very a, good. it's a really... I think all of these code mods, uh, with the exception of the template co-location one, are based on code mod CLI. It just, it gives yeah. you a default test harness out of the box. It uses just, and it confirms like your transformation is item potent, for example. So if you yeah. run it on an input, it has the right output. But also if you run it on the output, it doesn't change anything, right? Like that's actually really important. And it's a thing that a lot of people yeah. don't think about. And it, it automatically does NPX commands. So you don't actually have to, you don't have to install repository. Yeah. You don't have to install anything. You can mm -hmm. just say NPX do the thing and it yep. does the thing and then you're good. So yep. Um, I highly recommend that. And I think you can easily make transforms for templates or for JS files or TS files. Mm -hmm. TS files. That was a that was a revelation. I didn't I didn't realize you could do that. I saw some examples. Yeah, so it's got built-in support for TypeScript and JavaScript. The handlebars, you, you just have to specify the additional extension for HBS. But uh just the other day, actually, I helped someone make one that also works on SAS. Like there's oh, cool. like basically any place where you have an input and you have an expected output and there happens to be a thing that can parse ASTs, uh, <laughs> you can use this for. So uh, oh, it's pretty. I, it's I, I'm, someone is going to comment and say that that is not true in this case <laughs> or that case. But <laughs> things that it. generally Bring work it. on AST Explorer will probably work. Yes. Uh, in some form or fashion. But. The last one of these uh, that I wanted to mention was the Ember Component Template Co-location Migrator. The idea here is it moves your files around. So it's not quite your normal yeah. average code mod because it's actually moving files locations. Um, but the idea is it'll move things out of app templates, components, foo, into app components, foo. So this probably isn't written in terms of 
an actual code mod like with an AST, that's probably just the script, right? Uh, so ironically, there well, not ironically, there are actual AST parts in it. Uh, for example, if you move a template file and somebody was importing that template file, well, you've got something to update. Uh, hmm. Just for yes. example, that's the biggest case, like where people were importing the template directly and then either reusing right. it as layout property on something or something to that effect. That's where you oh, wow. really have to, yeah. like, that's a thing. That sounds... that's, hell, that's what the yeah, add-on no, generator does, I, right? Yeah, yeah so. for sure. That has to be terrible for like the caching problem you're talking about. If you can import the layout, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it makes it quite <laughs> annoying. Yes. yes, that was a very uh, that was a very muted but filled. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So the good news is when we when we're finally on this component template co-location thing, there won't be modules in defined for templates. There won't be additional lookups. Like there's no resolver usage. It's literally just a. You can imagine it being a weak map association with a class. So now you can just re-export the class. You don't have to do both. That kind of thing. It's kind of, it gives you the benefits of the reasons why people used to use the layout property, but without actually having to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So sadly, we're all out of time. We had more to talk about. Maybe the title will give it away for you. (laughs) But we will be back very soon to talk about these things. Until then, I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Robert Jackson. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next time. Bye. How does our outro song go? It's been too long. Bow, 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 bow,